Hi everyone, welcome to the first episode of the Real Estate Investment Lending Podcast. I'm your host Stacy, and I'm excited to be here with Robert Carney and Don Strong from Abbey Mortgage. It's good to see you both. Good morning. Good to see you How too. are you? I'm doing great. So, um, so just so our audience knows who they're who they're listening to, uh, Robert is the owner, and Don is the business manager of Abbey Mortgage and Investments LLC. So, how's everybody doing? We're we're seeing some unbelievable scenarios in the world right now. How are you guys dealing with it? As it comes, <laughs> we we just it's really interesting. The, the number of loans has has dropped slightly, but we've continued to make new loans. And as as people become a little bit less shocked by what's going on around them, um, they get back to doing what they like to do on a daily basis, which for us is investing in real estate. Awesome. Um, so, Don, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your role at Abbey Mortgage? Uh, I do a little bit of everything. I, as far as the mortgage company goes, um, once we get going with a loan, uh, we gather all the information we need, um, get everything done with loan documents, working with the title company, getting the borrower lined out as to what we expect from them, uh, walk them through the process, and then kind of maintain the relationship with processing the loan um, ongoing as well as payoffs, um, escrow, any rehab questions, that kind of thing. Okay, so you deal with the title company and and all of that different stuff. Right. So once once it's kind of turned over to me, then um, I'm kind of just asking for specific bits of information we might need, but I'm trying to walk it through and kind of get it through for them since some of them may not have done this before. Okay. Do you do the closing or do you do any of that? The title company does the closing, but we have everything ready to go. We transfer the funds. We get the loan documents done. We make sure that that everything is, is present and accounted for with the title company so that it's the closing date is not... Um, caught up with with a missing bit of info okay all right so you work with clients pretty much every day yes Um, what what would you say is the most exciting part of your job um i i enjoy that there's it's something different every day there's you don't do the same thing over and over all day long um and then we get to have developed relationships with our borrowers. We have a lot of repeat borrowers. We have a lot of borrowers that have multiple projects going at one time. Oh. Um, so you get to know them pretty well yeah. and nice to get a relationship going. And then again, we have other businesses that we also operate out of the same office. So it's just a little bit of everything every day. Okay, awesome. Sounds pretty exciting. It is. So uh, Robert, you've been in the real estate investment world for a long time. Um, How'd you get started with all this? Well, my first job out of college was working for a bank. And and then through the course of time, I just ended up taking different jobs, doing all different kinds of things inside and outside real estate, and eventually gravitated back to real estate because I wanted to personally do some development. And the financing just became the fun part. Yeah, that's that's definitely sounds like a pretty fun part. Um, so, so when did you actually start Abbey Mortgage? I started it in 1997. It was a couple years after I'd gotten into the business. It was started as a mortgage brokerage, and so we would just be a matchmaker and find the right lender for the right borrower. And we focused on hard to do loans and people who had challenges dealing with different kinds of lending institutions. And we're getting kind of a raw deal, and so we would find a way to find them uh, financing for 
for often for their home, but often for other properties also, um, that they were just having no luck finding other places. Um, and then eventually, um, I started lending my own money in certain situations Then I would bring in my buddies. And so I'd have three or four buddies and I would make a loan. And then I decided that that was, um, a good idea. And so we expanded on the idea and we set up a, a private loan fund, which we've been operating for 13 years. Wow. So that kind of opens up another question for me. Um, I understand Abbey Mortgage is a private lender. So how's that different from a hard money lender? I think that people use the terms interchangeably, but uh, there may be a little, a slight distinction. Um, hard money is probably simple, short, and kind of brutal <laughs> in a lot of ways. What do you and, mean by brutal? Well, brutal in terms of um, really strict uh, due dates, um, really onerous interest rates, really onerous sets of fees um, that are really the last, the last spot that you want to end up. Um, it's, I guess, as the nickname implies, it's just, it's just really, really hard brutal rock solid difficult loans um if there's a distinction private lending we're not going to be we're not going to be as uh inexpensive as the bank uh we're definitely more costly than the bank but we're a lot easier to deal with than the bank and so um and as frankly as a private lender and at least it's at least us i don't know about other private lenders i can't speak for them but we really have a sincere interest in the success of our customers. If you know, I will tell a borrower, I will tell a client, you know, I think I will be fine on this loan, but I think you should look at it another time because I don't see the opportunity for you to make money. Wow. And, so, and they will powerful. stop. And, and a lot of times they will listen and they will go find a better deal. Um, sometimes they insist on proceeding and I say, okay, here we go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Buckle in. Right, right. So you actually kind of mentor some people along the way too, as as well. I would say, um, I tell them what I think, mm -hmm. but ultimately it's their money on the line, and so it's up to them. Right. Uh, but I just have a hard time keeping my mouth shut. And <laughs> well, I think that's kind of good if you've got somebody that's walking into a deal that's maybe not such a good one. Well, nobody does this for their health, mm -hmm. and everybody wants to make money. And sometimes people miss things. We all miss things. Yeah, we all have blind spots, and sometimes we just neglect to see. Right. And so um, sometimes they'll bring up something, and, and it's like, wow, I didn't think of that. This makes it a really good deal when I was thinking it was not a great deal before. But mm -hmm. then the flip side also happens where I'll bring up something, and they'll say, gosh, I didn't even think about that. Right. And so then it needs to be worked into the equation so that they can make money. And, and it's worked well for us because... Um, our borrowers keep coming back. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you guys do have a lot of repeat borrowers. Is that, that what I'm hearing? It seems like I would think you would since you guys are kind of different. You're fast and, and you get things done. Well, we can move quickly and that's important. Um, banks don't ever move quickly. Mm -hmm. um, for our borrowers, we had we had one borrower that we worked with over the course of probably five to seven years i can't say for sure and i know for a fact we did over 50 loans for him wow and he was a good guy and i knew exactly what he was going to do and um and he did a really good job on all of his projects 
Um, we have several other borrowers that I would have to go count. I would have to go check, but I, I can say for sure are in the 30 to 45 loans range. Wow. That, that would be uh, like Yolanta. What do you Yolanta think? Yolanta and Chesla and yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've, we've done a huge number of loans with those people. And then we have a whole bunch of people that we've done probably less than a dozen loans for four or five because they're not so deep into the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, some and then will there come are back people, after two years being gone. Right. Some people will borrow money one time, pay it back, and then the phone will ring two or three years later, and they want to do a new investment. So it's like, great, let's go. Yeah, it's interesting. I met your your borrower in Longmont um, on Gay Street there, and uh, his, his statement to me was, uh, well, when you can't get money anywhere else, you have to resort to somebody that will loan you the money, and and these guys work with you, and and um, you know it's better to make some money than no money. So, right, that was, and that our was interesting. Whole, our whole philosophy is we lend money to people who need it. Right, right. Um, so, so, how do you think that we're doing in the in the current real estate market? I know with COVID nineteen and all that stuff. How do you think we're looking over the next few months, six months, year? I have a little bit different take on it than most other people. Uh, when this first started to make the news, I said uh, to my wife, I said, you know, I'm not really worried about the COVID-19 virus. I'm really worried about what the government's going to do. Mm-hmm. And this whole thing has been a, a government-induced trauma to people. Um, you can talk about the economy and all of that sort of thing, but the, the government actions have really caused a lot of trauma to people. Mm-hmm. And so I think that how we pull out of it is going to be a function of how long it takes for uh, these various health departments and all these states, and in our particular interest is Colorado and the various counties. And for them, how long is it going to be before people relax? And then for the citizens to gain confidence that like, okay, I don't have all these people breathing down my neck telling me to do all these different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to get a little bit more of enthusiasm for what's going on in the world because it all trickles down to real estate does it does the virus have anything to do with real estate no do the government regulations have anything ultimately to do with real estate no Um, the demand for interest and interest in real estate is a function largely of of people's prosperity and success elsewhere in the economy having a job getting a raise getting a promotion um, all of that kind of activity causes people to want to buy real estate, either for a home, to live in, uh, to uh, set up a business, to expand a business, whatever it happens to be. And so when we look at real estate, it, it doesn't exist on its own. It entirely exists due to the prosperity and the positive outlook of everybody else in the marketplace. Right. So on the flip side of that, does that create any sort of market when people do have a downturn and they do start having to sell properties and they do start having to do different things to keep their their cash fluidity going or or whatever um, we've had several loans we haven't had we haven't had borrowers who are looking optimistically forward we've had several loans where people needed cash mm-hmm. um, we bought a note um, just a, about a month ago and we've done some loans. We have one loan in the pipeline waiting for some conditions to clear where the borrower simply needed cash out of the equity of their property. 
Okay. And so we're happy to do that. Um, it, we are we are seeing interest in new construction loans I've, in the last four days. So this is what this is the 18th, 19th, mm-hmm. 19th of May. Just in the last four or five days over the weekend and yesterday, um, I've had several conversations with people about new construction loans for oh, that's great. for homes that they want to build um, and market to potential buyers. So people are starting to wake up. They're seeing opportunity, and so that's really good. And yeah. That's a huge positive thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that Colorado took a hit. Uh, that other states like Florida and South Dakota didn't take, didn't didn't experience, because the local governments didn't get quite as frantic and freak the freak the citizens out as much as happened here. Yeah, yeah. People are definitely uh, on the sidelines right now in a lot of cases. It seems like. So let's. Uh, Let's talk a little bit more about what you guys do. Um, I know we plan to do several shows um, where we're going to dive into the different types of loans you guys do, the different offers you guys have. But, but for this first episode, let's um, let's do a quick rundown of what Abby really is all about. Um, so, can you tell our listeners um, how you would describe what Abby Mortgage does in a couple of sentences? Maybe both of you kind of give your take on that. Do you want me to go first, or do you want to you go, can first? go first? Okay. Well, we lend people, we lend money to people who need the money. I think mm-hmm. I, I said that before, and it's really mm-hmm. that's the essence of what we do. And when we're looking at that, we look at the project and the real estate, and we're concerned about that. But the the main thing that we do from an underwriting perspective is: does this person have the skills to make this project a success? Mm-hmm. So, is the project any good? And does this person have the skills to make it happen? Right. And that's the essence of our that's the essence of our our whole consideration, and that's what we do, and that's all we look at. So it's a lot less about again. a lot less about credit scores. It's a lot less about all this stuff. It's really about the property and whether this person can pull off what they say they're going to pull off. And absolutely, we have the flexibility to make it match what their situation is. Okay. At the time, so the bank's going to say you have to do it only this way, and only these guidelines, and only these requirements, and only these parameters have to be met but most people can't do that i mean even if you have to be pretty lucky to have all of those ducks in a row that's and a we, big difference between what you hear from a bank right right and we even had um alicia alicia was it yeah. um and she's a, a new mom and hadn't done this before and and did her first project and just made a bundle on it wow. and because she's had the skills to stay organized and stay on budget and to get ahead of everything and she gets her projects in and done under time and under budget and has them on the market in like four to five months where we have even more experienced borrowers that kind of drift along and take their time and and so they're not going to make as much money as she did and so she she has has just gotten in got it done and moved on to her next project so keeping control of the cost and getting things done on timeline is really important because the cost can start to eat you up the longer well, if you, you go. go over budget or you're paying interest so the longer you take right. the more interest you pay and then if you time it right to get get your your property sold in the summer or when it's you know the high time when kids are out of school and people want to buy houses and, mm-hmm. and you know not push it and wait till winter or something because you've delayed right you're gonna make more money all right cool so when I think about what you guys do, um, all those fix and flip shows kind of come to my mind. Um, can you help the listeners understand how you can help people who are already doing fix and flips or 
or how you can help someone wanting to get into doing fix and flips? Um, Robert's pretty good at when they come to him with a project, like he said, he'll kind of give them his take on whether or not it's going to be a doable deal that they're going to come out of out of it with money instead of just breaking even. Um, he's helped with budget. He's helped kind of tweak the budget. He's helped give them an idea on timelines, you know, what they're going to need to meet mm-hmm. to do that. Um, we had a lot of construction loans where the project was already started, which a lot of banks don't want to take on mm-hmm. a middle-of-the-road project, and they just needed more funding. Um, so we kind of give them an idea of of what to expect that this is going to have to happen in order for you to really make what you think you're going to make on right. this property. So. Right. So now somebody comes in and and they need to borrow money to buy the house to do the fix and flip, but they also need money to do the rehab. Do you guys do both parts of that? or We, we work it all into the same loan. Oh, it's all in the same mm-hmm. loan? Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. So a percentage of the purchase price and a percentage of the rehab cost is worked into the same loan. Okay. So they've just got it all in one bundle ready to go. So you just work with them, get it all in one loan, and it's all all one done deal. That's that's awesome. Right, right. Okay. All right. So so how does somebody get started in doing fix and flips? How does that I mean if somebody's never done it before, how do they how do they jump into that? I I think that most of the people who get into the fix and flip business are watching a lot of late night TV. (laughs) The shows I was talking about. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They, they will, they will, you know, seen flip this house or they've been watching what Chip and Joe and they're all in love with everything that's going on down in Texas and they just want to do it themselves. And, and they, or, or a lot of folks too, will, they'll take these really high price seminars and there are some there are some i mean from talking to the people who've been to the seminars i think they're getting some some genuine jewels of wisdom out of the seminars but the fundamental basic question in any fix and flip boils down to three numbers it's what are you going to pay to buy the property how much are you going to spend to fix it up and what's it going to be worth when you're done and i have a template that i use on the phone all the time with people who call in who might be first timers and they'll say, I want to buy this property. I want to pay this amount of money. And I say, okay, really? So what's it going to cost to fix it up? Mm-hmm. Well, they don't know. And they say, well, I think I can get it done for $20,000. It's like, okay, fine. That Maybe you can, maybe you can't. So then what's it worth when you're done? So those three numbers, price, fix up budget, sale price. That, that, that determines the success of the project right there. And okay. a lot of times people, I will say, you know, this looks like super, super profitable deal. Why is it such a good deal? And sometimes they really don't have a good answer for that. And oftentimes it's because they made a mistake in one of the numbers. Mm. Uh, sometimes it's a really profitable deal because it really is. I mean, they just really found a diamond in the rough. And some make more than he thought they would. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah, and I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, that's right. I'm not. A, I don't know everything. I like to rub that in a little bit. Uh, but it's, there's no. Just because the formula is there doesn't mean they can't possibly make more. We had one realtor that does a lot of deals with us, and she essentially took the roof off a house because the roof was going to collapse. Oh gosh. And and raised it up and gave it vaulted ceilings and spent $150,000. And wow. she was still going to make some money, but we thought, you know, that's a lot of work to do on a rehab. And she made a bundle. So she built into the market, basically. Pretty she, much. Pretty much. She took it. It had a good location, location, location. It had a good area. And it was it was a hoarder home. She had to clear all that stuff out. And so it, it had a lot of detractions to it, but she made it work. Was that the hoarder home I saw the pictures of? Mm-hmm. 
Oh my gosh, that was that was interesting. And it, the one with the little figurines on the, the yeah. mailbox. I, I, and everything. I have yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, so it was it was right what, on my desktop. Five actually. fifteen yard dumpsters after they cleared out what they wanted wow. just for her to be able to get in and do it. But she finished the basement. She took that roof off and raised it and gave it all vaulted ceilings and redid everything the the grounds the landscaping the back by the garage and it just made it you you wouldn't recognize it so there's a certain amount of gambling that goes on with the right with the fix right and flip so i think she was like. going into it thinking she'd make what 50 to sixty thousand or mm-hmm. something on it, which is still yeah. a good return but she ended up making i think almost a hundred two hundred was it two hundred yeah wow yeah. so instead of selling it on one deal that's yeah. instead of selling it for nine hundred something she sold it for over a million like lickety split with wow. multiple offers. So she That's ended incredible. up making a bundle. It was the house that she did before the one that you came down and brought your. Um, so it was, oh, yeah, so it was on university, but the one, so oh, then okay. Detroit, right. the one that right. you saw was the one that it, she had stuff with inspectors and some delays and all this stuff. So she did not make as much on that one as she wanted to. That Detroit house was pretty spectacular, mm-hmm. though. Mm-hmm. That was a neat house. Yeah. yeah and that sold. It did, yeah, yeah. But it co- it took her longer than she thought, and so she had to pay more interest, and so she didn't end up an extension fee. She didn't end up making as much as she could have. Right, right. That's one of those situations where getting it out there and getting it on the market. She did every sh- everything she could, but it just still took right. a little bit it was longer. Bureaucratic delays mostly, right? And, and so that cost her, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that I can see where that could get very, very spendy very quick. Right, and, right. And there's a lot of unforeseen things that can pop out there. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Time is your enemy. You have to get it done quickly. Right, right. Um, So I recently heard the term fix and hold. So how's a fix and hold different from a fix and flip? Uh, They fix it and they hold it as a rental. So it's just exactly how it sounds. Right, right. So instead of an added, you look at it differently in a fix and flip, you're trying to give an added value so you get a buyer to come in and pay top dollar. But if Mm -hmm. you have a fix and hold and you're just going to rent it, you fix it. You fix it up the issues, but it's it's enough to rent it out. So you're not trying okay. to add an added value for a purchaser so much. So you're making it a pleasant place to live, but you don't have to do the little tweaks and gems. Yeah, it that doesn't people, have to have to have the, curb the granite appeal. countertops and all that stuff. So right. um, so then they hold it and rent it. So they're having income while they're refinancing it with um, lower cost refinance. Do you do those types of loans or the fix and fix holds? and holds? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. we okay. have we have the repeat borrowers. Um, that well, Yolanta's held a couple. She's gonna right, and then the people with the, the people down in Longmont who bought that house and refinanced it. Right, right, yeah. and then we have um, so some sometimes if it's if it behooves them to, they're having enough income from it, um, they'll just keep it with us until they get just the right financing that they want oh, and okay. go through the jump through the bank hoops, which can take six months to a year. Right, but then that during that time they're making money on the house as well. So you buy them some time to get. Get the right. property, get right. it fixed up. Get a new appraisal it. after it's been fixed up, and then get it, the banks will take you know two three months at least to get right. it going. So then they're still having an income property during that time. What if they can't get a bank loan? How does how does that work with you? We've guys? refinanced them where we redo the loan okay. as a, a one two three year loan instead okay. of six months or a, a flip loan. All right, so you just change the terms, give them a different loan, and, right. and continue right. to work with them. And, and if they're doing a fix and hold and they know it up front, which is smart, because as Don said, you're not going to spend money in the same way on a house that you're going to hold right. as you spend money on a house that you want to flip. Right. Uh, it's, a, it's a different set of priorities and a different, and the buyers, or in the, in the case of the tenants, are looking for different things. So uh, for the fix and hold folks, 
Um, it's it's possible to to get in with less costly materials, but still quality workmanship. And when they refinance, you've got a higher lease than it was there before, so you've added value there. You've made improvements to the property, and then a lot of times people will actually get some of their equity cash money back out when they go to when they go to refinance it. Oh, okay. All right. And so then they use that for the next project to go into project. something else. Yeah. Right. yeah. Do you guys do a lot of those type of type of deals, or how do you? I think it depends on the borrower. Some seem to do that more. Um, the one borrower that we have, we do a lot of business with and get a lot of referrals from, she bought, what was it, 18 townhomes? Yeah. All in one um, development and just bought all of those. Some she just flipped right away and just did a little bit of work and just got them on the market. Others she's held on just as rentals. And she's got, I think, two right now that we extended to three-year um, loans because she's going to hold those even longer. So, so are those each individual loans, or was it eighteen and one loan, or it was ten in one loan and eight in another? Oh, okay. So we combined them all. She bought them in two lots. Um, she bought the first one. I think she was only going to do that many originally that first group, and then thought, hey, it's such a good deal, she'd do another set. Wow, that's pretty phenomenal. Right, and now she's she's supposed to have the other eight. I think that are less six that are left of the eight refinanced with a regular bank wow. in June. So how hard is that when you're talking about that many properties? Does that add a lot of complexity into the deal or? Well, what we, we did, we tried to make it as simple for her as we possibly could. And so we did the two transactions, but each transaction had the whole 10 units or eight units. So then she only had one closing per each group right. of units oh, instead okay. of closing so, all those closing costs for 18 units. Does the title company pull their hair out with that or? Uh, they did okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we made it easy for her to sell or refi individual units um, by giving her a separate note and deed of trust for each one. But each of those individual loans was part of a the larger umbrella loan. So she oh, could okay. sell off each unit as she came to have it done or figured out what she oh, wanted to do with yeah. it and still have the loan for the remaining units. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it made it easy for her to, to either refinance or sell individual units. She started out thinking that she was going to sell almost all of them. And then she changed her mind and she kind of flipped and decided to sell just a few and decided to keep most. She was okay. getting good rents for them, so yeah, and didn't why need not? much work to fix them. So, so good cash flow and right, right. Shit. So no, those are her financing her next deals, probably. All right, All right. awesome. So um, another thing that came up was a friend of mine recently said to me that he did a bridge refinance for one of his investment properties, and I really didn't understand what that meant. Can you help me understand what a bridge refinance is? I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it depends. People use the word differently in different situations. And so uh, sometimes you're bridging from the, the, the prospective sale of one property to the purchase of another property. And so what happens most often on a bridge refinance is that you have a lot of equity in the first property and you want to liberate that equity so you can go buy something else. Oh, okay. And so if you have enough equity in that first property, or then what we will do is we will put the, the mortgage on the first property and the mortgage on the new property that oh, you're okay. buying. All right. And so that will basically allow you to use your 
existing property as a giant ATM to generate the cash that you need for what's essentially the down payment on the other property plus the normal debt on the other property. Okay. Right. And so that's that keeps that saves you from selling one and needing to pay taxes on it. Right. And then once the dust settles and you get you have the new property under control the way exactly you want it, mm-hmm. then you can refinance either one or both of the properties depending on what your plans are after that. Okay. So it just gives you a way to pull cash out of an existing property to go into another property and and not not have to sell or do something else. Right. Basically. All right. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. It just buys you time. It bridges the time you need or the cash you need to get another project. It's an interesting or- term, bridging. <laughs> um, I, I like that. Um, do you? Um, so we talked a little bit about this about multiple property loans. Do you do you guys like to do multiple prop, prop, multiple property loans or do you do you not like to do them? I mean, how does that? fit into your business model all we want is collateral yeah <laughs> so collateral is the king right, That's if, it, right. If, it, if the numbers work and it's doable then it's doable yeah the bottom line that you're getting to is if you can't get the deal done as you said you would then you want property to be able to back up that that bet right and 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 what i tell a lot of people is that we're essentially a loan to cost lender um, we know that everything is going to be worth more after people work on it and fix it up and do stuff like that. But w- we don't really know what it's going to be worth until we until it's done and it's sold or until it's done and it gets appraised. And so we tend to look at the cost of the project. And we have had a lot of successful borrowers who have um, used equity, used substantial equity in one property, and essentially like an ATM, and apply it to other properties uh, for acquisition, and um, it's it's really helped them leverage um, leverage their net worth, leverage their the equity in their real estate when they may not have as much cash. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I will receive a call, and I'll say one of the questions that inevitably inevitably comes up is, so how much cash do you have to put into this project? Long silence. <laughs> well. <laughs> you know, I just, I don't want to put any more than I have to. And it's like, that's not the end of the call, okay? It's it's okay. Right. And so the next question then is, so do, do you have any real estate where you have substantial equity? And when the answer is, well, yeah, I have this other property that I own free and clear or that I have a really small mortgage on. And then I said, great, let's tell me about that. And let's see if we can make that work. Oh, okay. And, and so you can that, still be cash poor and wow, real estate rich and still use that to get where you need to be. So that gives people that don't have a lot of cash the ability to leverage real estate that they already own to get that cash. And some right. people may actually have the cash, but they don't want to put it all into oh. one thing. They need it for other projects or they want to hold a little bit you know, as they need it. And so this way they're already using stuff they have as the equity. And then once they sell this other property, then their equity still exists in their original property. All right. Pay that back down. Okay. That's awesome. Uh, that, I mean, that's, uh, I, I'm, I'm betting that a lot of people don't think about that or, um, they're, they're that's not an, well in a bank that to do that would be, you'd be pulling your hair out to right. get all of that. Yeah, the banks of, have much more stringent guidelines for properties yeah. and what yeah. you can tie together. Yeah. 
Um, and so this way, since we're just looking at the value of the property at the end as our collateral, then you know we're happy to make it work however it works. Awesome. So um, one other thing I, I um, found out you guys did, you guys do commercial loans. So does that mean you do uh, loans on businesses or how, how does that work? Right. We will do loans uh, that are secured by real estate based on the value of the real estate. Sometimes the borrower's business is the tenant, mm-hmm. and I think that's great. But I don't know enough about businesses and what businesses are worth to have any idea what that part of the transact, where the value is in that part of the transaction. Mm-hmm. I am smart enough to understand the value of the real estate. Right. And so we will use that as a rule. And so what ends up, because we're kind of a small commercial lender, we're a small lender as a general rule. Mm-hmm. We, we're not doing those mega deals that you read about in the newspaper. And so we will end up doing small commercial projects, which are small properties or smaller collections of commercial properties that are either occupied by the owners of the property, like the condos for that construction company mm-hmm. over in Greeley, um, or, or they are using them, they're leasing them out. Um, and so forth. And so those are fun loans, and those are really good loans. I mean, okay. and I would throw apartment buildings into that mix. Right. Um, we've done loans on, on apartment buildings where under different special circumstances. And so those, are, those tend to be a little bit larger loan, but they're, it's the same thing. We're just concerned that, they, um, that the property has value and that, and that we believe in the skills of the borrower and in their plan for it, their vision. So if... Uh um, outside of the apartment buildings of a business owner that actually occupies the building and and he owns the building as well and he in these crazy times right now gets a little bit behind needs some operating cash can you guys help somebody like that out yeah we can help them out um, I mean there's <laughs> right now there's so many handouts from the government it's hard to keep track of them all <laughs> yeah and so and those those won't solve all the problems though either Mm-hmm. Um, and so he may just be in a spot where he needs money for uh, inventory or he needs money to fund um, projects that his crews need to go out and work on so that he can advance the money so that he can get the draws out and collect if he's a contractor, for instance. Right. Um, and so, I mean, they can tap that as a resource. Okay. Um, and we're not going to give the money away the way the government is right now. Um, but <laughs> Thank when, God. When you when you need the money, you know you're happy to have it. Okay. All right. Um, so I was looking at your website, and um, I noticed you guys also do construction loans. It's well designed, don't you think? I think the website <laughs> is awesome. It looks, Beautiful. It looks really well. Um, yes, I designed the website. <laughs> Might as well throw a search or marketing in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, uh, so we'll just mention the website right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, www.coloansonline.com. Um, beyond that, um, I'm actually looking to build a house. And um, I was kind of wondering if that's something um, you guys could help me out. I'm, I'm planning on building it here in the Berthet area and 
and and you know living in it's not an investment property can you guys help me with that or is that something you guys do uh we do do construction loans we don't do construction loans for borrowers where it's going to be their primary residence oh ouch so that's a no that's a no oh short short phone call a spec home that's fine so so no loans where the owner is the occupant so why why is that exactly what what's your well your reasoning for the on the construction loan front it's it's purely a matter of all the federal red tape and and the states have all not all but many states have piggybacked on the federal red tape uh, that goes into disclosures and the kind of loan it is and how it's characterized on the books of the of the lender and all of that sort of thing and we just want to do business we don't, we don't want to get into the compliance business where we have to dis- have special forms filled out and so forth we're just trying to help our borrowers do what they want to do okay and uh, when it when it's a builder who's building a house that's going to be for sale or a builder who is building a house for a client and is going to sell it to the client at the end of construction they need that financing we're happy to get in the middle of that um, we want to have builders who are experienced and organized you know so it's it, again it boils down to our judgment um, and and the amount of skill that they bring to the table, their ability to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of private lenders don't want anything to do with construction loans because they're kind of complicated. Don knows how complicated they are because <laughs> she has to deal with all of the all of the details in terms of administering the loans. Um, but we're happy to do that, and and we've done we've had some good success with construction loans, um, and we've also had challenges with construction loans, but. Uh, we work through them with the borrower, and we try to get the job done. Okay. So to sum that all up, you guys only work with investors, really. You guys are really working yeah. with people that are investing in real estate, that um, are trying to make money off real estate, not somebody that's going out there to buy a house and live in it. And yeah. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. I mean, and, right. and it's and it really makes for a clean deal because the, our our borrowers or our clients, they're not emotionally invested in the transaction. It's not a do or die for their heart. It's it's just a business deal and they want to make money. And We're not foreclosing on someone's only place to live. You're not that kicking means. out grandma. Right, right. I heard that recently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Um, um, I think our, our uh, we're kind of coming to the end here. Um, I, uh, I think we covered quite a bit of ground today, actually. Um, Robert, maybe you could give us some final thoughts on, on um, well, the whole... Well, if somebody's, a, if somebody's a real estate investor, a lot of times they're moving faster. They're moving faster than banks want to move. And sometimes the deal has to move faster than banks are willing to move. So sometimes the deal is driving um, the urgency, and sometimes the investor has more irons in the fire and wants to keep things moving. Mm-hmm. And that's really where a private lender like Abbey Mortgage can be of huge value, is that we can, we're not going to drag it out over the course of months. We're going to give you an answer um, in a matter of hours or days, but not weeks, not months. And the day has really only come up as if, as if I'm really busy and I can't focus on it or um, if something else that is super urgent pressing takes mm-hmm. my attention away. And I'll let you know. I'll say, I'm not going to get to it today, but I'll let you know tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But we're not talking weeks and we're not talking months. I mean, the answers are 
generally very quick. Okay. And and it and the whole thing is is that we, we don't we don't we're not doing this for our health. We want our our clients, we want our borrowers to make money. Mm-hmm. And if they've got a deal that's a real money maker, we want to be all in with them right up front because that means we're going to collect our interest over the course of the loan and just get a payoff and everybody's going to be happy and that is just that's the best way nobody likes having bad loans i mean and that happens sometimes but for both the borrower and for us it just it it takes a lot of extra time but we deal with it and in a competitive market like now to get a lot of times they're the ones that get the property because they can close faster Right. That's that's a big deal. And especially on our repeat borrowers, we don't make them jump through all the hoops that they jump through again when they first came to us. So a lot of times we can close as quickly as the title company can close. Okay. Yeah, so. that's a really good point. The title company has stood in front of us on more than one occasion when we were all ready to rock and roll. Right, right. But if they can get ready in a week, sometimes, you know, I mean, we can meet them there. Really? If so it's you a, guys if can it's close repeat, loans as quick as a week? If it's a repeat borrower, we've done that. Wow. Where they come to a property and say, hey, if I can get this closed by such and such a date, I win the contract. So can wow. we do that? That's phenomenal. And they, they know what we need. They get us all the information we need on the property right away. The budget's already worked out. They've already got everything, the comps and everything ready to go. And so we can he can determine whether the loan to value is good and then How do you get an appraisal done that quick? Oh, it's because we don't use appraisals. Oh, you don't? <laughs> on commercial properties and construction loans, we do. Right. Oh, on, okay. on the fix and flips and fix and holds, he does his own appraisal. Right. Okay. If, it's, if it's a residential property, I'm going to use their comps, and I'm going to and I'm going to do my own kind of back of the envelope investigation to, to be confident about the value, mm-hmm. and we're going to go with that. And that saves an enormous amount of time, and it also saves our borrowers money. So. And so um, that often, you know, that makes a big difference. And we, and we put that right in our, the qualifications letters that we provide our borrowers so they have something to submit with their offer. So okay. we, don't, you know, we don't require an appraisal. If it's a complicated deal, so forth, then that's a whole other, that's a whole other question. But right. for routine residential investment properties, um, I can't remember the last time. Uh, we required an appraisal. Yeah, this, the construction we do on the the lot and the plans, or kind of what's already been done. If it's middle of the road and it's it's been started, but and then the commercial uh, buildings, the right. big warehouses or whatever, um, right. need an appraisal. But other than that, because that that saves the borrower a month of waiting and eight hundred to a thousand dollars of well, paying yeah. for an appraisal. Yeah, that that really sp- helps speed things up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I know appraisals can definitely delay deals. So, um, all right. Well, uh, I think that's about it. I want to tell our listeners thanks for for listening and stay tuned for our future episodes. We're going to talk about um, more individual loans and and different types of offers. And um, we'd also like to ask everybody to take the time to register for our newsletter. Um, You'll get the latest news on our podcast, as well as access to real estate investing and finance information, as well as as our special offers. Um, You can register by going to www.coloansonline.com and bye until next time. Bye, Stacy. Bye, Don. Bye. Bye.